This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 8th, 2018. Breakfast on the Beach. Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning, I'm Alan Jones. Uh, if this is your first time, normally I'm standing here, my wife Carrie is here. We normally kind of ping pong the message back and forth, but she's not here this morning. She's serving on a, uh, as a spiritual director for a retreat weekend for teenage girls. It's called Chrysalis. Um, I ask that you keep the weekend in prayer as there's a, a team of, I don't know, 25 or so youth and adults who are um, helping these 25 teenage girls, butterflies as we call them, realize a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, by the way, seven of those butterflies are from Connection Community Church. Yeah. So, as are several of the uh, team who are overseeing the weekend. So, please keep that in prayer. Anyway, as I said, I'm Alan Jones, and I'm a, a sinner who's been saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray. Most holy God, um, thank you for each one who's here this morning. I it's no accident that we're here. I, I pray that, uh, that the words I share are yours and that uh, those who are here, you would, uh, that they would hear what you would have us to hear. Lord, please uh, open us with your Holy Spirit that we would be uh, um, open vessels to your word this morning and that we would um, realize change and transformation through what you bring us today. Please help me to get out of the way so that uh, your word can clearly be heard. We ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Connection Church said, Amen. So, we're one week removed from Easter, from the empty tomb that we read about last week in the book of John, the interaction between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. As we read on in that chapter 20, which we started last week, as we continue to read further in that chapter in this book of John and that's found in the New Testament, we find that on the evening of that first Easter, the disciples are gathered together in a room with the door locked. And it's locked because they fear for their very lives. They saw what happened to Jesus and being associated with him, they're afraid that they may encounter the same uh, uh, end to their lives. They're scared to death. So things are really in a turmoil. They're gathered together, finding strength from one another in this room. And then something really, really wild happens considering that the door is locked. The resurrected Christ, Jesus himself, comes into the room, locked all, door and all, and stands among them and says, peace be with you. I'm not sure how much peace it brought him, but, you know, he said it. I, I hope maybe, you know, Jesus is pretty powerful, so maybe it brought a little bit of peace to him. He, he shows them his hands where the nails were when he hung on the cross. Actually, it's more like here from what I understand. And his side, where one of the soldiers had pierced it with a sword, and, and, the, and, and the disciples, they're overjoyed to see him, of course. 
but it must have been really kind of freaky, don't you think? Especially come through the locked door. <laughs> and then Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on them, preparing them for their missionary work in the world. Wow. Wow. Quite a scene. I can only imagine what the disciples must have been feeling. <laughs> I bet they didn't know which end was up. It's been a crazy, crazy week, and especially a crazy weekend. Their reality has been turned literally upside down. Jesus has totally rocked their world. He, he did it while he was living <laughs> for three years, and now that he's dead and resurrected, he's rocking it harder than ever. I'm sure their heads are just spinning. Things seem totally out of control, out of their control anyway. And they're probably wondering what in the world is going to happen next. So then we ask, well, you know, what do we do when our world gets turned upside down? What do we do when things go crazy, when things get out of control? Well, for me, when things get crazy and, and going in a direction I'm not sure of, when things seem way out of my comfort zone, when I need to take a little quiet time to refocus, to do something that isn't crazy, um, you know, something's familiar, comforting, comfortable. Of course, I'm talking after we pray. Praise the given here, okay, so we're going to pray. But then is there some kind of a place you go or something you do that kind of brings you comfort, that kind of settles things down? See, if you know me, what I do is I put on a pot of spaghetti sauce. I find great comfort in that, the cooking it, the preparing it. I mean, I'm talking homemade sauce here, not just a bunch of rye glue. Um, and, uh, and so there's comfort, and there's real comfort in making sure that what you cooked was right <laughs> on the other end. So, or, or maybe I might, like if it was today, maybe I go home and watch a ball game. I'm not sure the way the Phillies are playing, how comfortable that would be. But anyway, hopefully maybe we get a 20 to 1 like yesterday, and, and that would be comfortable. Or maybe watch an old movie, something that's familiar, something comfortable, something safe. What about you? What do you do? Is there, is there a, something you do when things are crazy and you need to get to your comfort zone, that place that allows you to kind of just hunker down a little bit? You know what the disciples did? <laughs> well, they went fishing. They went fishing, seven of them anyway, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and two others that the, the Scripture doesn't give us their name. They went out to fish. For Peter, James, and John anyway, this was returning to what they'd done professionally before Jesus called them out of it three years ago. I mean, this, this is what they did. This is... Uh, you know, back to, it's like old home week for them. So what they, like I said, what they did before he told them to drop their nets. And so now it's kind of a crazy time, crazier than any time during the three years they followed Jesus. And so they return to something they know, something comfortable. Return to the water, to the boat, to the fish. They hang, they hang up their gone fishing sign. Scripture doesn't tell you that, but... It's a little add-on. It's a little bonus this morning. They hang up their, their gone fishing sign, and they escape from the post-resurrection realities of life, which are getting kind of crazy. So Scripture tells us they went out, got in the boat, <laughs> and fished all night and caught nothing. 
These are professional fishermen, for crying out loud. They caught nothing. Who here has ever been fishing and caught nothing? I have a friend, his name's John Gosman. He used to own a place called Ocean Pro down on, on uh, 13 there. And uh, uh, John helped me out, let me have some fishing stuff for a sermon we were doing one time here. And we got to talking. I, I told him I'm not much for fishing because I don't like just sitting hours on end. You know, I, I like it when I was a kid at my Uncle Bob's house on the Choptank River where you'd throw your line in and before the sinker hit bottom, you had two perch pull. I mean, that's what I call fishing. John said, you don't like fishing, you like catching. <laughs> I said, John, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I like catching. I like catching. Maybe you do too. Maybe the disciples were in the mood for a little catching as well. <laughs> and so if they were, they must have been at least a little bit frustrated all night long and not a single fish. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe it was okay with them. Maybe they were just looking for a little time away, a little quiet time with the boys, you know, time to relax, to recover from all the craziness, time to spend doing something they were familiar with and <laughs> used to be good at anyway. <laughs> On the other hand, maybe they really did want to catch some fish. Had to be a little frustrating if that was the case because they came up empty. Here's what we read in the 21st chapter of John. This is verses 4 through 6. This is the New International Version. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> that must have been a <laughs> No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So not only did they have uh, nothing to show for an entire night of fishing, now there's a guy on the shore yelling out, hey, <laughs> didn't get any fish? It's like, it's like here's the wound, here's the salt shaker, right? Let's rub it in gently. <laughs> we know it was Jesus. But they don't, not at this point. Isn't it funny? All these people not recognizing the post-resurrection Jesus. Last week it was Mary. We were almost going to preach on uh, Luke 24 this week, which is the walk to Emmaus. But then going through the archives, I realized Lori just preached on it last year. <laughs> and, and that, the two guys are walking, two disciples, not named disciples, but followers of Jesus, are walking back about seven miles to a town uh, nearby. And Jesus is right with them. They don't recognize him. Here again, they don't recognize. I don't know what's going on, but for some reason, nobody's recognizing Jesus post-resurrection. Anyway, so he's asking them about their catch. I'll bet that felt really good after a fishless. I know what would be going through my head when somebody hit me with that question after a fishless night, and it probably isn't something we want to share in church this morning. Anyway, anyway, check. Anyway. Their response is interesting. They don't get upset, do they? Yeah. They do what Jesus tells them, and bingo, <laughs> they haul in so many fish, 
they can't even, it, it almost breaks the nets. Wow. <laughs> How would you have felt, though, if you're doing what you used to do for a living, all night long empty, and then this guy, you don't even know who he is, giving you a suggestion, would you have had the open attitude? Would you have tried what he said? Or would you have mumbled under your breath? What would you really like to say to the guy? Anyway, as I said, they didn't say anything. They, they switched their net, and they came in with a haul. Here's what we read next, John 21, 7 through 14. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, <laughs> it's the same guy who said the same thing last week. It's John, the writer of the story. <laughs> he wants to make sure we know that Jesus loved him every time he gets a chance. He said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for taking it off. To fish and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards, football field. And when they landed, they saw a fire, uh, a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Wow, that's pretty cool. Just Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish you just you, you have just caught." Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. 153. I always wonder who counted them. Anyway, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I don't know about you. I'm not much for fish for breakfast, but I guess in those days it's different. Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The disciple whom Jesus loved, John, recognizes that it's Jesus there on the beach. As soon as he said it is the Lord, Peter jumps in. Well, you know, Peter's like Mr. Impetuous, Mr. Uh, uh, aim, uh, what's it, uh, ready, Shoot, aim, you know, that's, that's Peter. Um, and, and so he, he, he jumps in to go see Jesus. The other disciples fall in the boat, pulling the net full of fish behind them. Here's what they find. Jesus, with the barbecue already roaring, man. I like gas myself. He's probably using charcoal. I don't know. I like gas because I can, I'm never patient enough for the briquettes to turn gray. Am I alone here? I mean, I'm ready. If I see a little, little smoke, a little fire, I'm ready to put, and then so I always meet, meet peak season for the, you know, Jesus probably has them perfectly gray, evenly, you know, it's probably the perfect fire there. He's already got some fish cooking on the hot coals. He's got some bread. He tells the boys to bring some more fish. Wants to make sure everybody's got something to eat. So Peter climbs back in the boat, drags the net ashore full of fish, 153. It's interesting when you read the commentaries, that 153, there's all kinds of 
attempts at explaining what the 153 is all about. There's all these formulas like this number of these people plus this number of these people divided by this number equals 153. Or there's, if you add to this and to this and to this, you've got this biblical extravaganza of numbers to come up with 153. Or, or one was, well, there was 153 species of fish, and there was one of every kind of those in the net. And then that represents that there's, you know, Jesus is for all of us, for everybody, all diversity. It's a, you get tired. I, I, I'm a simple guy. <laughs> no kidding. And I like to keep it think, simple. I think the main purpose of this number, and this is an Alanization. This is not uh, from one of the commentaries. This is my spin. I think the main purpose of this number is to help us realize that this isn't just another exaggerated fish story, if you know what I mean. <laughs> You know what I mean by a fish story? Exaggerated, out of proportion. See, this number is real. One, five, three. It tells us there were this many fish. This is actuality. We're not dealing in exaggerations or uh, be uh, or fa uh, not factualization. It lets us know that what happened here really happen, and it lets us know this. It lets us know that Jesus cares. It lets us know things are real, and especially above all everything else, it lets us know that everyone and everything, even the fish, count. We all count. The fish count. Everything in Christ's world counts. It's a pretty cool story, don't you think? I love the story of Jesus on the beach with the fired up, getting some fish ready for breakfast, ready for the disciples. But you got to say, okay, is it just a cool story or is there a point? Pretty much I found when you're reading in Scripture, when it's said, there's a reason for the things that's said and there's a reason for the things not said. And the reason for the things said is that they're important for some reason. There's a reason they've been included. It's, it's not just to have a cool story. There's a reason it's in there. And I think maybe this is why it's in there. Even when things get crazy, even when we're not sure where Jesus is leading us. You ever been not sure where Jesus is leading you? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Yeah, I've been there. And sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a week. I've been there for six months or a year before. Any more amens? Yeah. Yeah. So even when things get crazy, even when we're not sure where Jesus is leading us, even when we need to get back to something we're familiar with, something comfortable, something that we know, maybe we're sure of, even when these things happen, <laughs> even if we don't see him right or recognize him, right there in the midst of everything is Jesus. You notice he was right there in the midst. They didn't recognize him at first, but he's right there in the middle of things, wasn't he? Right there in the middle, the resurrected Jesus, the one who literally went to hell and back for you and me. Even when we put the gone fishing sign up in the window, and when I say the gone fishing sign, it could be literally or I could be speaking figuratively. You know what I mean? Gone fishing for you might mean really gone fishing, or it might mean, for me, it might mean going for a bike ride or cooking a pot of spaghetti. Or for you, it might mean 
a walk in the park. For you, it might mean uh, around a golf. Or it might be tennis. Or it might be spend some time with your grandchildren. It, might, it could be a, whatever it is. Going fishing, that represents those things for each of us that allows us to get away from the crazy. So even when we put up the gone fish inside the window to get the break that we so desperately need, Jesus, who gave his very life for each and every one of us, is right there waiting for us with breakfast on the beach. And not only is he there to comfort and to feed us, again, either literally or figuratively speaking, but he's there to guide us and lead us. He comforts and feeds us. He guides us and leads us. When we've been fishing all night, so to speak, and we come up empty, it's Jesus who knows our situation, who calls out to us, who tells us to cast our nets on the right side of the boat. Did you catch that? Not just the other, but the right side of the boat so that we can bring in a full load of fish, whatever that might look like for each of us. And it's Jesus who will have the barbecue going, some fish already cooking, some bread sitting there waiting, and invite us to sit down and share a meal with him. Jesus likes to invite us to meals. Remember, he just had a really important meal a few days before with his disciples, didn't he? We're going to celebrate that at the end of the uh, service this morning. If you turn to the book of Revelation, the book about end time, there's a really great verse in there. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you've ever seen the picture of this, you notice there's no handle on Jesus' side because he knocks. We're the ones that got to open the door. I stand there and knock. And if you let me in, Jesus says, if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll share a meal with you. Isn't that comforting? You know, meals are, are where we get to know each other, aren't they? In your home, growing up, isn't that where the family gathered? They shared their stories, they shared their day, they shared their time, shared their ups, they shared their downs. That's where we get to know each other. It's around the table, isn't it? And so when he says, I'll share a meal with you, it's more than just food. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. And so when things, whatever they look like, when we go and fish and Jesus is right there inviting us to continue to be in relationship with him. It's Jesus who will bring order to the chaos in our lives, calm to the craziness, bring personal relationship to our everyday endeavors. I love this beach scene. I like the beach anyway, but I really love this scene with Jesus and the disciples because it lets us know just how much Jesus cares about us, each and every one of us. Not only in the big overwhelming challenges of life, but also in that little day-to-day -day stuff that we all face. And let's keep it real. We face a whole lot more little day-to-day -day than we do the, that's our norm, isn't it? The day-to-day -day little stuff that we deal with. And Jesus is right there. And even when we need a break, 
When we escape the craziness and turn to something comfortable and familiar, Jesus is right there in the midst of it with us. And when we need help, even with the things that we're familiar with, like these guys fishing, even with the day-to-day routines, even the things we're familiar with, even the things that shouldn't be overwhelming but sometimes are more than challenging for us, Jesus is right there, just as he was on the shore when the disciples were out fishing in the boat. And when we face those challenges, here's the thing. It's important for us to listen, to listen for the voice of Jesus. Remember, you have two ears, one mouth. Think about the ratio, listening to talking. It's important to listen to Jesus because he's the one, when we're coming up empty, to tell us to cast our nets on the right side of the boat. If we listen to what he says, chances are pretty good we're going to pull in a net full of fish. Again, whatever that looks like for you. Picture this. What would our lives look like if we were more willing to put up the gone fishing sign in the window and take a break when we need it, like the disciples did? What, what would our lives look like if we truly um, realize that Jesus is with us, not only in the midst of the craziness, but also out there in the boat when we've gone fishing? What if we truly realize that Jesus cares enough that when we're casting our nets and coming up empty, He's there with us, there to tell us to cast our net on the right side of the boat. What would our lives look like if when Jesus invited us to share some time with him, we said yes to having breakfast on the beach, allowing our relationship with him to be all it can be? That could be pretty awesome, couldn't it? So maybe today is the day for you to put a gone fishing sign in your window, to take some time to relax, restore, some time to get in touch with the resurrected Christ and maybe have a little breakfast on the beach. That's what Sabbath's all about. I was in Walmart last night. It was kind of late. It's a woman... um, uh, uh, one of the managers there, I met her because I solicited some help from them with our 5K, and they were very generous. She used to go to church here. And um, I said to her, I said, well, you got the late shift tonight. And she said, oh, I got 20 more minutes. And we got talking. They go to another church now, and she and her husband, she says, you know, I'm, I'm not getting to church too much because of my crazy schedule here at Walmart. And, and then she said something that was interesting. I said, uh, she said, I, I kind of miss the blue laws. Anybody know what the blue laws were? See, she grew up in, P- in Pennsylvania. Delaware, I don't think we had them. I, at least I don't remember. But in PA, um, the blue laws were things were not open on Sunday. You might, uh, some gas station might be. And I vaguely remember maybe a pharmacy. I don't know. But that was like it. It was truly a day off. And I remember when Carrie and I first moved to Seaford way back, uh, another school teacher and I went down to Salisbury, to the old Salisbury Mall on a Sunday, 
and, and we pulled up, and the parking lot was absolutely empty. And it's like, <laughs> what in the world's going on? And then I realized, yeah, the Maryland also had the blue laws. And, you know, we sometimes we really, you know, it was good. Now we can go shopping on time. But you know what? I kind of miss them. Because we were almost forced to take time off, whether we wanted to or not. We couldn't shop even if we wanted to. Nowadays, it's a crazy world, 24-7, 365. I mean, we're bombarded. And so if we're going to take Sabbath, we, we absolutely have to do it ourselves because the culture certainly isn't helping us, is it? So if we're going to take Sabbath, and we need to take Sabbath, we need time to relax, to restore. Think about that word, restore, to store up again, to get recharged to get back in touch with the one who created us. Back in touch with the one who died for us. So maybe today is your day to put up the gone fishing sign. Take off. Spend a little time with Jesus. Maybe share a meal with him on the beach. On the other hand, maybe... You're out there fishing already, and you feel like your net's kind of empty this morning. You know, maybe you keep throwing it in the water, but it, it keeps coming up empty, and you're empty, and you're drained, and you don't have much left, and you're not sure what to do because you're not sure you're going to be able to have too many more net throws in you. So maybe today's the day to listen real, 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 real carefully. And maybe Jesus is telling you to cast your net on the right side of the boat. So then you can pull it up loaded with fish. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's live it. Let's believe it. Let's pray. Our most holy God, we, um, and I'm going to thank you for this story. It's a great story. It's an opportunity to us to kind of keep it real, to realize that Christ is there even when we go fishing. <clears throat> please help us to know when we need that time away, and please help us to know that Christ is with us. Please help us to throw our nets on the right side. Please help us to pull full nets in. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.